0: everybody, Randy here. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to do two things. One, I want to thank Precision Pro Golf for sponsoring today's episode of the Trap Draw. I will be back about midway through the episode to tell you more about them. But for now, thank you to Precision Pro Golf. And I also want to mention this interview with Megan uh, Tron and I conducted last November at the LPGA Tour Championship. I was hoping to run it this week concurrent with the return of the lpga tour at the founders cup obviously that is not the case um we we certainly hope golf will along with life will return to normalcy uh sooner than later um i hope you enjoy this opportunity to learn a little bit about megan her background and what makes her such a a special story out on the lpga tour so without further ado here is our conversation with Megan Kang. Max is the spot for
1: that draw.
2: Hey. 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 I told him, straight drop this and zip lock that. Hey. Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap. Yeah. I remember yeah. nights. I didn't remember nights. nights. I damn near went crazy i had to get it right, right. i'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper hey, hey. i'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper <laughs> the absolute truth yeah no joke who me i merged
0: from the tracks all right ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another trap draw to my right a man who needs no introduction but i'll do it anyway mr tron carter how are you
1: randy great to be here with you <laughs> Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Great to see you uh, down here in South Florida, enjoying the the sunshine this time of the year. While large part of the country is bundled up.
0: It's important to get the vitamin C, especially you know when the calendar hits November. Yeah, uh, we are. Uh, this is another live in person big step for the Trap Draw podcast from the CME LPGA Tour Championship, and our guest today is Megan Kang. Megan, how are you?
2: I'm great. I'm a, I'm a little nervous, but I'm definitely happy to be here. So thanks for having me, guys.
0: Yeah. Thank you for being here. And please, please, please do not be nervous. Um, you are, you know, this is uh, just trying it's to myself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's no no reason at all to be nervous. Uh, where's home for you in the off season?
2: So I live in Massachusetts. So it's it's cold. Yeah, it's cold. I'm like half-heartedly looking forward to that I love the <laughs> snow but I don't like the cold that comes along with it but um it's home home's where the heart is home's family down there and I love winter I don't like the cold but I love winter it's kind of
0: <laughs> yeah I gotta I gotta,
2: gotta wrap that your head out around that
1: how yeah. do you like do you do you struggle in the in like January February March that time frame kind of breaking out of the the winter and, and getting ready for the season like you know at the start there because you've kind of shut it down for for November and December, or do you, do you train so a lot indoors? It's,
2: in- um, it's, it's a lot of indoor practice. I mean, I guess it's somewhat indoor practice. Uh, so when I go home, I'll probably take like two weeks to just don't touch a club and stuff like that. And two weeks over, slowly work back into the golf. And fortunately I practice out of a place where they pack down the snow and, We hit off mats into the snow with, like, heated bays over us. And that's how I've just grown up golfing, so I don't know anything different. I joke around that the tours made me weak because, like, I used to be able to do that in, like, a T-shirt and a sweatshirt and just, like, sweatpants on. And now I go back there, and it's, like, 50, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, where are my leggings, my pants, my rain pants? my my, Where's my heat pad? Um, So I I grew up just kind of indoors, but, like, once New Year's hits, I, I come down to Florida and kind of hit off grass and work on the short game a lot more uh
1: where where in massachusetts
2: i'm like 30 minutes south of
1: boston okay small town called rockland okay cool i used to uh i would i was in boston for a couple years and i remember there was one course that would stay open until the first snowfall south shore country club
2: oh my goodness i live like 20 minutes away from south shore
1: and so we would we would just play there like i played there new year's day when uh, there was no snow on the ground, and then the it,
2: first hole at saw Shore is like a straight drop and then straight back up. <laughs> yeah. So, like if it snows, people are sledding down that. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. the funniest yeah. thing.
1: It's a it's a fun little course too. It's an old styles in Van Cleek design. small greens. So yeah, yeah, really fun. Um, where do you play typically?
2: Uh, uh, so I'm a member at the Boston Golf Club. Okay, and it's my home club right now. Um, they're open until I think Thanksgiving. They try to shut it down, um, and then I'll practice at another club and stuff like that, but no, I I, I wish I got to play there more often. It's a great golf course if you're up there. You guys got to let us know or let me know, and we can all get out there. (laughs) Um, It's not an open invitation to everyone listening. I'm sorry. (laughs) 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 But um, (laughs) no, it's a great club. You guys, if you're ever up in Mass, let me know, and either I'll set it up for you guys to go play and – or it's, I'll be hopefully I'll be there. It's yeah.
1: insane how much good golf is up there. Too. It's I a mean, lot of
2: great golf. We got the Country Club in Brookline. We got Charles River, uh, but Essex, I mean with TPC. Yeah, yeah TPC. Um, Braeburn. There's so many. There's yeah. like on the Cape, like so many other courses. Did you realize that? Like growing up, did you realize how good?
1: like golf was where you grew up or was it kind of like it did it take you going out on the on the LPGA playing around the world realizing man like I had like these are really nice courses where I'm from
2: yeah I guess I didn't I didn't really pay attention to a lot of that uh growing up because growing up it was just kind of you practice you'll play the junior stuff locally around and like given I was very fortunate that when I was growing up there was a, a man by the name of like Dave Adamonis a uh, senior who, like, started a tour, and then his son, Dave Adamotis Jr., uh, continued his tour. And fortunately, we played a lot of great golf courses. We played, like, one and stuff like that. And so I didn't realize how good we had it until I played those kind of tournaments. And still, as, like, a 13-year-old, I didn't know a lot of, like, the golf history in the area other than the country club.
0: Mm-hmm. What, let's, I I want to get into kind of your journey with the game of golf. Um were you talk to me about who was instrumental in getting you started uh playing golf.
2: Definitely my dad. My dad has been there from the start. Um my dad picked up the game in 2000 and my mom had to be like hey, Lee. My dad's name's Lee. Sorry. Um hey Lee, uh we as in you and I have a child. I can't just keep watching her. (laughs) And so he started taking me out to the golf course when I was, like, five. And he, like, enticed me with, hey, if you kept the ball on the fairway, you can drive the golf cart. The only rule was I couldn't drive where the clubhouse could see. (laughs) So you get a little five-year-old Megan who can barely – I can still barely touch the the pedals, but still. um, Driving around golf carts. And ever since then, like, my dad was always like, okay, like – hey, like, you've got somewhat good hand-eye coordination for a little kid. Like, we're going to keep at this. And I was a very active kid. I did snowboarding. I played some soccer. And, like, anything outdoors I would play. But uh, golf was perfect because I'm an only child as well. So I didn't actually need other people to play with. And in that sense, my dad's kind of been there from the start, and he still is. my coach my entire life. And it went to the point of, like, my dad at the time was a mechanic he set up a hitting bay in his garage and I would just hit balls while he's like fixing cars. It's the funniest thing. Well, and
0: so I'd love to talk to you about your parents cause it's such an awesome story. Um, and I think, you know, it's a story that's been told before. I, I know Randall Mill had a mm-hmm. wonderful piece uh, on golf channel kind of outlining your parents and where they came from. Uh, but I'm curious uh, how your your dad got into the game of golf. Do you know how he... I you do. Because it seems like he's just completely obsessed with it. And oh,
2: he's obsessed. Like, yeah. He said he is, started in 2000? Yeah, he picked up the game in 2000. And you started playing in 2002? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. It's,
0: so it's I'm, wild. I'm fascinated how he got to be so into, into golf.
2: So from what I'm told, my dad, the only reason my dad found out about golf is because his younger brother um, mentioned it. So my dad and his brothers used to play a lot of, like, soccer and stuff like that. And I guess one day the, the game got canceled because it got rained out. And his, my dad's brother was like, oh, like, let's go hit some golf balls. And my dad's like, what is that? <laughs> Went to the range, could not hit the ball for the life, life of his. My dad was like, I'm going to quit everything and figure out this game. And I guess from then my dad, like, fell in love with the game He studied YouTube, Golf Digest, (laughs) you name it. Like, everything under the sun, my dad was reading about it. And he would just pick and choose what he wanted to learn, what take from whatever. And, like, my dad does not sleep. Like, he can run on four hours of sleep. I like, for me, that's, like, I need to triple that yeah. for me to function.
1: <laughs> so does Randy. <laughs> yeah, <I'm>, yeah. <laughs>
2: but I know. So, like, ever since then, um my dad kind of fell in love with the game and just became, kind of became obsessed. He stopped playing tennis with my mom because he was like, it's bad for my golf swing. Like, <laughs> it, it's, it's going to make me use my hands too much and stuff like that. So, it was really funny because I'm, like, let's see, I was three at the time when he picked up the game. So, I'm... I'm clueless like what three year old knows what's going on mm-hmm. um I don't even remember what I ate like last week, and I'm like right Woo. so uh yeah, my dad got started because of his younger brother,
0: and he's so he's been completely self taught you know essentially essentially YouTube and you just know.
2: everything from from the words and videos of the interwebs
1: who's his favorite like like who was his favorite instructor or like, what did he learn the most from
2: starting out? You know, I guess I should ask that question. <laughs> um, I don't actually know. He more so studies a lot of people's golf swings and, like, tries to figure out the commonality of what makes them such a good golfer. Like, I guess he liked a lot of, like, Butch's uh, methods and stuff like that. Very simple, very traditional uh, my dad tries to keep it very simple for me as well because he says the more I think, the more complicated I'm going to get. <laughs> um, he also jokes around with me like, "Oh, like you're not smart enough to like think about everything." <laughs> so I disagree. I'm like, I'm, "You're not wrong." So <laughs> I go, "I don't want to think that much. If I start, then everything's going to go to pieces." But um, I get, I'd have to say, like, probably Butch is one of his uh, favorable golf instructors. I wouldn't say favorite because I don't actually know. Uh-huh. But I'll have to ask him after this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, How did his game progress? Has has he become a good golfer?
2: My dad is a fairly good golfer, I will say. We're very competitive. He likes to play a lot of mind games, though. Um, So, like, obviously, when I was growing up, my goal was, like, always beat my dad and stuff like that. And as I've gotten older and stuff like that, more mature, I'm starting to beat him a lot more than he beats me, which is very – I should, but – Again, mind games. Um, but overall, my dad's very competitive. I think he just doesn't play a lot of tournaments because he's so busy with myself and his other students. Uh, so he's turned it into like a yeah, whole business. Yeah, he like quit the mechanics. Like when I was, when I was like seven, eight, my dad was, told my mom like, hey, we can get her a scholarship to college if I quit <laughs> if I quit my day job <laughs> <laughs> and just kind of work on her. And so my mom, like, like a lot of it goes to my mom because a lot of people would say, like, oh, no, like, no, you're going to work. You're going to save money and work. And, like, God bless my mom for believing in him and myself that she was, like, okay, like, if you can promise me she gets, like, a full scholarship, you can quit. So that's what he did. He, like, he he rented out the mechanic shop and just kind of really put it 110% into the golf and learning the golf swing and trying to perfect it the best he could. And when I was about 12, um, I, I got an offer from Wake Forest. I played in, like, the U.S. Girls uh, in North Carolina. And it just so happened that one of the girls that I was playing with, Wake Forest, was watching her. And like, I'm 12. I think I'm in, like, 7th or 8th grade. <laughs> and so I, I, I don't remember, but my dad told me... Um, yeah, you're too young to remember this, but when you were playing after the round, Coach Diane Daly came up to me and was like, the best thing is your daughter's so young, I can talk to you guys. And I guess like right then and there, she offered a full scholarship. And so my dad's like, oh, went to my mom. was like, I did it. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> we got her a scholarship. And it's funny because it's just how crazy the world works. And it just happened that week. I finished like third- out of the 156 girls. And I was 12, so it was a big deal.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, So no. it was almost
1: like you you couldn't even, like it never got to a point where you had to even place too much pressure on yourself because you got so good so young that you had kind yeah. of accomplished the like the goal that you and your dad the had set immediate out for, goal. right? Well, yeah. it's crazy
2: because like, I was so oblivious to like what the goal was. I was just there because I enjoyed the game. I had a lot of fun and I think as long as I was having fun my dad was like oh she doesn't need to know which is very true like I I didn't need to know I don't need that extra pressure I'm just enjoying Mm -hmm. what I'm doing and so uh, I will say on my parents part that was really good on them for not being like you have to because we can't afford college like my parents would tell me like look like if I got into that like spoiled phase of like I don't want to do this anymore I want to go hang out with my friends my dad would be like look like You've put this much time and energy into it. you got to, like, it's a sacrifice that you're going to have to be willing to take. And you look at the big picture now, and a lot of my friends are very understanding of what or why I had to not, why, why I couldn't hang out with them. And then, like, I have my girlfriends who I've known, like, forever now. Like, I've known Nellie since I was, like, 13. I have one of my best friends. Uh, she just had to go to school, but I've known her since I was, like, 7, 8. And, like, she's from Hawaii. So, it's incredible. Like, I have my school friends that I still keep in touch with. And I got my golf friends who I, like, see almost every week week in and week out. And Mm -hmm. then I got one in college that I visit when we're on the West Coast.
0: Talk to me about, it sounds like, you know, not only did your dad quit his job as a mechanic, (laughs) he also moved you guys to a nine-hole facility, I believe, somewhere um in Massachusetts. and. From what I was reading in the piece, it was like, people thought he was nuts, like, you know.
2: So, so I was born in Brockton, shout out City of Champions, um, and then we moved to Abington, which was like, closer to the golf course or practice facility. And then, I guess, my dad's like, oh, that's not close enough, like, we've got to be closer. And it just so happened that there was a house for sale on one of the holes, and Again, my dad had to be like, "Look, well, like this is an investment for her future. Not for now. Like it, it's literally the size of some people's garage. Um, people think I'm joking, but like you go to Texas, like our garage is the size or their garage is the size of our house, but everything's big in Texas. Um, but no, so like we ended up moving onto the golf course and people thought we were crazy. And the best part is my dad's selling point to my mom was, yeah, like we'll just walk every day, like walk outside the backyard. <laughs> And, like, it's fine. Like, she, she won't even have to drive. I think I walked less than, like, 50 times. My <laughs> mom walks way more <laughs> over than my dad and I do. Because, like, we have our golf clubs. My dad's got his, like, training aids. Got the bag of balls. So my mom walks over to the golf course way more than we do. Still well, to you, this day. <laughs> did
1: you play a lot? Like, was it, was it play or was it practice? Like, range or course or both?
2: Yeah, it was a mixture, but I have to say like more of the times it was practice because I mean, I didn't play on my high school golf team mainly because my dad was like, I knew all the guys on the high school golf team. They were uh, a lot of like baseball hockey players just waiting for their sport to come up. And uh, I spent more time practicing because on the weekends I had golf tournaments. So I'd play like nine holes here and there, but majority of it was like working on the swing. And, like, short game and putting and stuff like that to get ready for the weekend golf tournament.
0: Uh-huh. I, I think – is it fair to say your first kind of big breakthrough, at least on a national stage, was when you qualified for the U.S. Open at, what was it, 14 years I was of was 14 age. years old. Yeah, did you – like, was that – did you – were you too young and almost naive to realize, like, how big of a deal that was? Or were you quite aware of the significance?
2: I was – I don't want to lie. Um, I don't think I was that aware <laughs> until I actually got to the golf course and I was like, Oh my God, I'm playing golf with so-and-so and so-and-so. Wow. I watched them on TV <laughs> and stuff like that. But, um, it really hit me when at the time we went to the range and like the tailor-made was there and I was like a huge tailor-made like, fanatic. Like I loved everything about it. I still love their clubs and everything, but, um, I, uh, I went into the van and I was like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> I like people can take whatever they want. I, I specifically remember walking into the van and this girl, I don't remember her name. I just, I can picture it walking out of the van, hugging like 10 putters, <laughs> walking out. And I look at her and she's like, what's up? And I go, she just took all <laughs> of it. And, um. Yeah, I remember that. And I played like a practice round with, I think, Michelle Wee at the time. And so it was like super cool because like I've been watching her. I still used to watch her on TV and like now I'm playing with her. So it's incredible how far we've come. And I think the one oh I had lunch with like Yanni at the time, like I was a huge fan. I I think it's still on my Instagram, Um, but it's super funny because like I was really bummed that I was only 14. So I couldn't drive the car. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the courtesy, yeah. I was very bummed about that one. <laughs> I, like, specifically remember, like, I think I took a picture with the car, though.
1: Yeah. In the driver's
2: yeah. seat. How'd you play? Oh, I missed the cut. <laughs> 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 I, like, there's one hole. I forget what hole, what number it is. I had to go driver, three wood, and I still had, like, a 30-yard chip shot. And it was a par four. Straight uphill. hill. Yeah. It was super funny. I, it's a great experience because, like, yeah, like, I want to make the cut, but at the same time, it's okay if I didn't. I was 14. Like, I was just enjoying the moment mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, no, overall, it was uh, – I think it was more enjoyable and less stressful than it is now. <laughs> yeah. I still enjoy it, but not as much stress. How
0: – at what point – uh was it around that time or was it after? At, at what point did you make the college, no college decision and decide to just turn pro?
2: That decision took me a long time, I will say. I, um, my senior year, I hadn't committed to a school yet. Everyone pretty much had been committing to school since they were like a junior in high school. And I mentioned Wake Forest earlier. Um, that was the only school I went on an official visit with. And so I went down there, uh, uh, Coach Diaz, Kevin Diaz, and Coach Diane Daly were, were there. My dad came with me, and they sat me down. And at the time, I still didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew my game plan. And so I told them that my game plan was, I'm not going to commit to you guys now because I don't want to do that whole, oh, I'm going to commit to you, and then I end up turning pro, like, at the by the end of the year because Q School is coming up. And I go, but I am going to, like, go to Q School, see what happens. If I don't make it, then, like, I'll stay amateur for the next year. Um, but if I do, I'm going to turn pro. And they're like, they were like, why, why don't you just commit then? And I told them, I go, well, I don't want to commit because if I do commit and, like, I decide to turn pro, I don't want sh- to take that spot from someone who really wants to come here. And I don't want you guys to stop looking for someone if I do commit. Like, if you guys feel the spot, you feel the spot. If you don't, I'll come. And it just so happened that I didn't fully decide that I was going to trim pro until the week before third stage. Okay. Week before third stage, they had like a mini tour event. And my dad and I are driving down like LPGA Boulevard. And my dad's like, hey, like you should trim pro here. And I was like, dad, like <laughs> we literally had not been talking about it. <laughs> just like, it was just in the back of the line. No, one, no one's talking about it you should turn pro like before third stage. Cause I guess like I was guaranteed like some status on Symmetra for making third stage. And I was like, Oh dad, like, I don't know. Like maybe he's like, come on. Like if you turn pro here, then like technically it's your first pro event. So there's not a lot of pressure. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's turn pro. (laughs) (laughs) So that, that was it. And, um, Oh, I, I got to tell you guys how I got, like, I, how I turned a pro. It's the funniest story. It's the most memorable story.
0: Yeah, please.
2: Um, so, I get to the first T. I don't know how to turn pro. Like, how do you turn pro? I
0: picture, it like, the scene from The Office. I don't know if you watch the television no, I show don't. The Office. Well, the lead Michael Scott, uh, you know, he, like, declares yeah. bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> And he just, like, shouts, like, I declare bankruptcy. (laughs) It's like, well, that's not really how you declare bankruptcy. Like, I picture something, like, like, I am a pro.
2: (laughs) So I get to the first tee. I'm playing with two pros. And I go to the starter, and I'm like, hey, like, I want to be a pro. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, oh, hold on. We got to get, like, the tournament director. And (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like what? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, yeah, we got to get the tournament director. So he knows like you're playing for money now and stuff like that. And then I was like, oh, okay. Like, sure. (laughs) And so the other girl's like laughing. This is on the first, this is on the first tee. Like it's the funniest (laughs) thing. Cause like, I didn't know how to turn pro. Who knows how to turn pro? Like who honestly knows how to turn pro? And so like, he comes over and I don't know if, I don't know what to call it. Like there's a little In order to do, like, the hazard paints and stuff like that.
0: Oh, like a little... uh, Like a handle. There's,
2: like, spray can, but then, like, it's the extended handle. Okay. So you don't have to, like, bend down. Yeah, yeah. He has one of those things. And he goes, Megan. I was like, yes. So you want to turn pro? Yeah, I want to turn pro. Like, how do I do it? You got to get down on one knee, Megan. And I go, what? You got to get down on one knee. I'm looking at the other two girls. The other two girls are like, yeah, you got to get down on one knee. (laughs) Look at my dad. My dad's like, just do it. And I go, all right get down on one knee, takes the freaking can thing and goes, I so-and-so dub the Megan <laughs> Kang, a professional. And I look up and I go, people so don't have to do this, huh? And he goes, <laughs> nah, but you did it. And, and I saw. was like, but well, I'm a pro now. And he goes, yeah, you just have to declare it. Like, you didn't have to do that. And the other two girls are dying laughing. I'm laughing because I'm like, I'm such an idiot for like doing it. But I was like, I don't know.
0: That's fantastic. So,
2: yeah, he made it a very memorable way of how I turned pro. Uh, how yeah. did you play that day? I don't even remember. That's, it, that blurs everything about really the day. Like... All I know is I got a paycheck at the end of the week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you got your card.
2: I got, uh, right. well, technically it was like the week prior to.
1: Oh, this was oh, the so little mini tour right? This is the, oh, mini, the tour mini tour event. event. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: It was so funny, though, because he's like, I dub the King <laughs> Pro. And I That's look really up good. and I'm just like. This does not happen.
0: I like that the other players were kind of going along with it. They went with it. They were like,
2: yeah, 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 you got to get down on one knee. Yeah. And I'm just like.
0: (laughs) I like your dad was like, just do it. Just do
2: it. (laughs) Whatever it is, (laughs) Jim pro, just do it.
0: That's funny.
1: At what point did your dad start taking on other, like, did he start giving lessons to other
2: people besides you? You Um. Well, so, like I said, my dad's like a golf nut. Yeah. So, like, even if we were on the range and he saw someone, like, frustrated, (laughs) <laughs> you already know where I'm going with this he'd like walk up to me like I think you'd be better if you like relaxed your hands a little use your shoulders so he'd give like mini lessons on the, on the range and my mom would be like dad like if you're going to do that you might as well just give lessons because like people are just going to come over for like free lessons if you keep doing it but he doesn't care because he's like I just want them to feel better like no one should be that frustrated playing golf and so like I think it was when I was Fourteen, fifteen, a couple of people started approaching him more, and like ever since then he's become more popular. I guess there's a uh, quite a few girls that he coaches, and some of them are going to college already now. But um, yeah, I guess when I was like fourteen, fifteen, it really started taking off in a sense of like, oh yeah, I guess I should start teaching golf, um, other than my daughter. <laughs> so it's been it's been fun. It's just
1: ironic that the the stated goal at the beginning was to get a college scholarship. You get a college, <laughs> college scholarship and you're
0: like, actually going to think. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you should turn pro. <laughs> uh, uh, and and he's been your only coach, right? Yeah, he's this been my only time. coach. Yeah. Um,
2: like He has a couple friends in the golf business where my dad wasn't huge on videos. He like he saw a lot with like the naked eye and stuff like that. But if I ever needed to get my swing taped at the time – Uh, We had, like, a a friend who would just, like, let us take videos and stuff like that. And he'd be like, oh, like, maybe Megan could work on this. And my dad would be like, oh, okay, like, yeah, I've been trying to get her to do it, but she doesn't listen. And so, yeah, if you ask my dad, I'm not a great listener. I think I'm a great listener. Yeah, sure. I'm a fantastic listener, just not to my dad, apparently. Uh, I think that's with every kid, though. For sure. Whatever. Anyways, um, so, like, we had friends here and there who would, like, given little pointers, but no, other than that, my dad's my one and only coach. And um, yeah, it's crazy how far we've come along as a family and team.
1: How's his game?
2: You know, he's actually playing right now. Yeah. <laughs> he's pretty good. I, I joke around with him. His ball flight is so low on a driver and it annoys me so much because it, does, it just runs no matter what, it just runs and he outdrives me, and it doesn't look like it's gonna go far, but it just runs miles. But uh, his game's pretty good. You put him in a tournament situation, it's not great, only because he's been so preoccupied with myself that he couldn't go off and just play tournaments. But just for like a round of golf, he's, he's good company.
0: Uh-oh. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a question for you What's the one item in your bag that you're gonna use the most during a round? So your putter? Nope. Your favorite iron? Nope. Your arm to flag the beverage cart? Maybe, but no. The real answer is your range finder. All golfers need a range finder that they can trust to know the precise distance to their target for nearly every shot, whether you're on the tee box or in the fairway. The no laying up team from the scummy C-suite to us strap boys carry Precision Pro Golf range finders. They're the perfect combination of performance and price. Listeners of the trap draw can receive an extra $20 off Precision Pro Golf range finders by using the coupon code trapdraw at checkout. Again, that's trapdraw, one word at checkout. Precision Pro Golf is the only range finder that offers free battery replacement services. So you're not only getting a range finder, you're signing up for a lifetime service. Go to precisionprogolf.com Use the coupon code TRAPDRAW at checkout for $20 off our favorite rangefinder. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. You turned, you're 22?
2: I'm 22.
0: You turned pro in 2015, I believe. Yes, technically uh, yes. Yeah, What what's the learning curve been like out on the LPGA Tour for you? Has there been much of a learning curve?
2: Oh, definitely it's, there's been a learning curve in a sense of like, when it was my rookie year, I would just play, play, play every event. I think my rookie year, I skipped maybe two events, only because I wasn't in them. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I think it was the first two events because I wasn't in them. But um, over time, I guess I've realized that there are tournaments that I'm really going really gonna to like and play well in, like consistently. And there's some where I just got to give myself a break. Because, I mean, last year or two years ago, we had a stretch of nine weeks in a row, and I think I played all of them. And like by the fourth, fifth week, I was, my body was exhausted. And so over time I realized it's better if I just play like maybe three weeks in a row, three, four weeks in a row max and kind of take time off to just kind of let my body rest. Cause I may not be mentally tired, but my body's like physically exhausted. And so I think that maturity of like knowing when to take time off and when to really put in that extra gear uh, has definitely helped and just kind of like I know the golf course is more so nowadays where I just kind of pace myself and I don't overwork myself and just kind of like still enjoy like the cities that we get to go to because there's so many people out there who don't get to travel as much and I think sometimes we take it for granted that we get to see the world week in and week out every year
1: mm-hmm well, yeah, you did 28 events in 2016, 32 in 2017, 29 in 2018, and 22 this year. So you've made a very concerted effort yeah. to dial it back this year.
2: I dialed it back a ton. And like some of my friends out here are like, good job, Megan. They're like, we're proud of you. <laughs> and I joke around, and I was like, yeah, like I could have played more. Like my parents are kind of like, oh, you, you could have definitely played this event. But it was more so just like, uh, it, it was a cross country tournament. So I didn't want to go back and forth and stuff like that. So I did like a pretty good job, I think, of kind of pacing myself. Well, and you make you make a lot of cuts too. So not only are you playing, but
1: you're playing all four days. Definitely. I took
2: like a different mindset this year. I remember yeah. uh, either last year or two years ago, I used to stress out about making a cut and stuff like that. And then this year I came into be like, if I don't like think about the cut, I'll be fine. Just like aim high, miss small kind of situation of like, why am I going to worry about the cut if I'm here to win kind of situation? And so, and I think I saw the interview with, like, Brooks Kepka in a sense of, like, once he started focusing more on the win, that's where he found himself more at the top. And mm-hmm. I kind of took that one to heart because I was like, that makes so much sense.
0: Well, I was going to ask you, and it's a good segue. Um, you know, it seems like you're on the cusp of a real breakthrough out here. I mean, seven top tens this year in 2019. Do you feel... Do you feel that way? I mean, is it It seems like it's kind of a matter of not uh, if, but just when. You get that first career victory and, and really take off. Is that fair to say?
2: Uh, I, I have to agree with you. I mean, my game's been there. I think there's just been some situations where I'm giving myself opportunities. I just got to really try to stay in the moment. There are some situations where I do get ahead of myself and I catch myself when it's a little too late. Uh, but I think that's everything to do with maturing, growing up. And just kind of learning from the experiences. And so, I mean, I've still got one more chance this year to kind of pull through. So I'm hoping for that. But, I mean, overall, it's golf and you just got to live in the moment because, I mean, you guys know, you can hole out from 100 yards and then three putt from like 10 feet. It's crazy how how much of a roller coaster this sport is. Mm -hmm. But um, staying in the moment is definitely key and just kind of forgetting what you did last hole last shot and I think as time's progressing I'm doing a better job and like my team and I were just kind of making sure that we don't go backwards we just kind of stay forward and keep treading forward no matter how tough the road is yeah but um no I'd, I'd like to say it's either hopefully this week For and sure. then next year is definitely I'm feeling really good about my game and where it's going
0: yeah, I would say you know, in addition to the top tens, your major performance this year. You know, you made all five cuts. You had two top tens. Um, I, I think just looking at you know your your results and kind of the trend line that you're on, I, I think you know it's it's pretty apparent that that's where it's it's headed. So, um. looking back, do you do you ever feel like do you have any
1: regrets, or did you ever feel like were there ever any any tough times where you're like, man, like I wish I was just like you know. A normal high school kid, or you know, like it, just you know hanging out with your friends. Because I mean, it seems like you're extremely mature and you know, extremely, <laughs> extremely dedicated, and work hard um, and focused. But it's I'm like, going to
2: make my parents listen to that one <laughs> yes. section in this podcast.
1: No, it is. It's, you uh, seem like kind of wise beyond your years. Yeah, yeah. Oh sure.
2: gosh, like I I just laughed so hard at that. I forgot the question. <laughs> but but I like I guess were there any times um, where
1: like I mean, it seems like you were you you always had big things on the horizon or big things in mind kind of the day-to-day of that is like, you know, you're not getting to do the stuff sometimes that regular teenagers do. Mm-hmm. Like, along the way. Did you ever feel like you were missing out or were you just that, you know, focused on you know, Hey, I know this is what I want. And
2: <laughs> I gotta be honest. Um, there are definitely times where I was like, I just want to be normal. I want to go hang out with friends. I want to go to the movies. Um, and stuff like that, but I was very fortunate. I was very well rounded my parents, my dad, my mom definitely understood that I needed a social life as well mm-hmm. and like being an only child I had like only child syndrome where like I needed to talk to people. I could talk to a wall, and like I just needed to talk. I was a social butterfly, no problem making friends and stuff like that. and my dad understood that, so like if I had half days and stuff like that. I'd be like, hey, Dad, can I can I go out to lunch with them after and stuff like that? This was mainly in middle school. Like, high school, much more lenient. Middle school, I'd be like, can I hang out with them? Like, can you come pick me up at this time? And stuff like that. And, like, my dad was, my dad understood that because, like, he had a fun childhood. As tough as it was, he did ha- have an enjoyable childhood in a sense of, like, his friends took him places and stuff like that. So he wanted me to experience that as well. And so I think that really helped me, like, understand, like, when it's my free time, it's my free time. Mm-hmm. But when it's time to golf and time to work, I really have to just focus on that. Because, I mean, I I had a very well-rounded childhood. I did snowboarding in the off season uh, in the wintertime. I got to go to Florida. I mean, I saw my cousins every weekend. Um, my family's very close in a sense of, I joke around that we're an Italian-Asian family. <laughs> 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 every Saturday, we're like, whose house are we going over? <laughs> And we just go over there and, like, we all just hang out. We all used to play football in the backyard, had to go seek. And when I say I had, like, a village of cousins, that's just one side of the family. Mm -hmm. Like, I got two villages then. Mm -hmm. But, uh, no, I mean, obviously, like, I wanted to do a lot more things. Like, especially in the summer, I always had tournaments and stuff like that. And, like, there were times where I wanted to just go to the beach every day, week in and week out. But at the same time, I got to see the entire country. I got to go to California. I got to go to Texas, Indiana, while my friends were just at home. And so you look at both pictures and uh, in the end, I saw, I still see a lot more than they did. And even at the time, I still had my golf friends. So I i didn't really miss out on the company. Like I missed my, my school friends, but at the same time I had other friends mm-hmm. that I didn't get to see during like a school year. So it was good. It was real, well balanced.
1: As far as just, you know, for, for our listeners, many of whom have not read the story of your family. <laughs> can you give us some sort of like, just, yeah, I know it's a long, <laughs> a long, like epic tale. almost. Yeah. I, like, like, I don't know uh, if you're, you're know kind of sick like, of
2: telling it or no, I don't think I'll ever get sick of okay, it. Okay. All right. Um, uh, I just don't know if I'll like do it justice. Yeah. Something. I don't think I'll do it justice. Um, So, like, obviously, my parents were both or are both from Laos. um, And I guess after the Vietnam War, they were very fortunate enough to come over to the States. They had a. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Yeah, I'm so not going to do this justice. Uh, They had to make their way to Thailand. And then from Thailand, they would have to wait to get sponsored over to this U.S. And so they both came over. I think my dad was eight. And my mom was like six at the time. And so like they came over when they were very young and, uh, my, my mom was in Rhode Island. My dad was in like Brookline, Mass. He literally had like the country club in the backyard, never picked up golf until it was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyways. Um, and so like they met later in life and it was kind of a situation of like almost a Romeo and Juliet situation where my parents were kind of forbidden to marry. Um, Mainly because, like, in our culture, like, the Kangs and Kus couldn't marry and stuff like that. But, like, my parents fell in love. Um, When they
1: meet, what was the...
2: (laughs) 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 Um, So, my dad tells me that um, they were at this, like... So, I don't know if you know my nationality. My nationality is Hmong. Mm -hmm. So, like, we have, like, a Hmong New Year party. It's not actually during New Year's half the time. It's literally whenever I guess (laughs) they want. I think our new year party, our new year party this year was in like October. Um, But so they met at like an among new year party. And my dad was like, Oh, like who's that over there? And his brother was like, Oh, that's my mom's name is new. New coup. Like you can't go talk to her. Like you can't go dance with her. And my dad being my dad was like, why? Like watch me. My dad goes over and like, Starts dancing, blah, blah, blah. I guess, like, I guess it all started there. And I guess they found out, they started dating. And, like, obviously, both of the parents didn't approve because the last names. And so I guess they dated secretly. This is, I'm so not doing this story justice, by the way. Um, so they started dating in secret and stuff like that. And I guess when they were, serious in the relationship both of the parents kind of disowned them like my mother's father was like you can't live with us blah 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 stuff like that and so in our culture the man has to pay a dowry Mm -hmm. so my dad sold his car (laughs) came over i won't say what amount because like my mom's worth everything in the world but yeah so he like slammed the money on the on the table and was like here you are, like, we're gone, and stuff like that. And he was like, oh, my God, my dad's, like, a little, I don't know if I can say this, like, my dad's, like, a little shit. Oh, yeah, you can But say um, that. my dad's a little <laughs> shit. And um, I guess, like, my dad was like, yeah, like, Grandpa was so mad at me that, like, he said, you're lucky we're not back in Laos. if we were back in Laos, you'd be, like, six feet under. And being my dad, he's like, well, good thing we're not in Laos. We're in the U.S., And I'm just like, dad, you did not say that. Because my my grandpa, my mom's dad was like a surgeon. So like he could have that happen if we were back in Laos. Yeah, my dad's like, well, we're not back in Laos. So Um, so then I'm getting married. And like eventually my mom's dad kind of was like, oh, it's like you don't drink. You don't smoke. You don't do anything. And my dad's like, no, like I don't do drugs, nothing. So my grandpa really started to like my dad and like both families kind of got over it. So like that, I came along and it's just kind of crazy how things can be like misconstrued and stuff like that just because of uh, like appearances. And it was mainly because like the coup was a higher class than a Kang, I guess, But, yeah, it's like a Romeo and Juliet story. And you're probably all going to have to go look at the article because my story sucked. (laughs) No,
0: it didn't suck. And it's it's nice to hear it uh, from you. But, yeah, I will just plug. It's a Randall Mel story on uh, golfchannel.com. It's called the title of the the article, Secret War, Forbidden Love, and a Treacherous Journey to the LPGA. And, yeah, it just goes into a lot of detail. It's, It's really fascinating. Do you, as... I believe you're st- – I, I read and I, I don't know if anybody's came along, but do you carry any extra weight or do you think about being the first LPGA player of uh, – hmm. from Hmong uh, and – is it fair to say Hmong and Laotian descent? Is I that- think so. Okay. I think it's I want to make sure I'm getting that right.
2: <laughs> Watch, I'm going to say that and someone's going to come <laughs> on and correct me and Yeah. yeah. Like wow, she's so full of herself. No.
0: <laughs> Did you ever think about that? Is that you know? I you really know. don't.
2: I am um, my parents remind me that like I, I'm, somewhat of a role model, and that I'm the first of like the Hmong descent to just kind of make it onto this high of a level, sport uh, in golf. I guess not in sports in golf, and it's very, it's I'm very honored to be that, but at the same time. This is this is going to sound selfish, but at the same time, I was doing it for more so myself and my family. And it just so happened that I was the first. So it's nice to know that some kids are saying, wow, like, you're Hmong, I'm Hmong. Like, this is awesome. I want to be just like you. And sometimes I forget that I am the first. So I think that's more of the reason why, like, I don't really acknowledge it. Because I, I forget that I'm the first one. And... It's really cool because like we have a tournament up in Wisconsin and there's a big Hmong community up there. And so we have family friends up there where they were like, Megan, like, would you be able to stop by and just kind of see kids for like an hour or two and just kind of talk to them? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I'll do that. And I was kind of like took back taken back by how many kids came out and like how many parents came out to see like just me. Like for me, I'm just like I'm still little Megan in my head. Like right. my parents keep me very humble. I try to stay humble and it was pretty cool to see how many kids came out and it was, it was super cool. And they were just like, wow, like we wanted to be just like you when you grow up and it, it kind of like, I soaked it all in and it still is amazing to me that people say that. Cause I was like, I was 21 and I was just like, I'm not that much older than these kids. Right. So it's it's pretty funny. Like they're twelve, thirteen. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not that much older. Like I got cousins the same age as you guys, and it's it's pretty cool to, see, to hear and to see uh, the the outcome and stuff like that. So I guess I should try to pay more a little a little more attention to that. But at the same time, I' trying not to let it overwhelm me. How much
1: has your success, like, just made things easier for your family, just, um, like, just from a like just financial and just, just from a perspective of like, you know, it seems like as, as, as immigrants and everything, like you're, you're constantly kind of fighting and, and, and trying to carve out a life for yourself here. And now it's like, man, like we we made it a little bit,
2: right? It's crazy. I mean, like, yeah, yes, we've made it, but at the same time, like we're still trying to make it. Um, it's definitely more helpful that I am playing well Mm -hmm. in my career so far. Um, it's good to know that, like, if my mom ever needs anything, I can just be like, oh, like, here, let me help. I can actually afford to help her in certain situations. Um, I remember last year or, like, a year and a half, two years ago, I really wanted a car. Like, I'm never home, but I really wanted a car. <laughs> and I know my mom wanted an upgrade on her car. And I didn't get her a brand new one, but I felt so good getting her a car as well as me a car because... I know how much she wanted one and stuff like that. And if I had never picked up golf, I wouldn't have been able to get her that, like, what am I, my sophomore year in college? I would never have been able to think of doing that. (laughs) And so it's, it's been very, I've been very fortunate in a sense of, it's been a great career so far. Mm -hmm. Still a lot of work to do, Uh, a lot of good things to come. But overall, financially, it's been incredible to not really have to stress about certain things. So very fortunate.
1: And, and as far as living in living in <laughs> Massachusetts, do you ever feel the pull of Florida or Arizona or Texas or wherever, just like <laughs> somewhere that you can play golf year round and, and, you know, or is it just that you're home, like you're not home all that much and when you are home, you want to relax and, and it's a good, it's a good respite from your busy <laughs> schedule?
2: You know... I think it's more of my parents who are like, you know, you should probably get a place down in like Florida or somewhere warmer where you can practice. But for me, it's like, I'm okay staying home because I've done it my whole life. My entire family's up there. I love being around my family. And so I don't really want to move somewhere where I wouldn't have access to my family, like if I wanted to. So, I want to stay in Massachusetts, but my parents are like, you need a place where you can practice. And I was like, what do you mean? I can practice here. You need a place to practice where you're not layered in like five <laughs> like layers. <laughs> and so, um, it, it's kind of coming down to the stretch where I actually do need a place in in Florida, possibly. So, um, yeah, if you guys know any place to live, let <laughs> me know. But... No, overall, uh, I'm happy like where I am just because of the family aspect. Yeah. But I think eventually in the future, we're going to have to – or I'm going to have to move down to warm weather. At least, at least part of the year. And just Definitely part of the, of the year. year. Talk to me um, about –
0: we, we kind of glossed over one of the, the big achievements in your schedule this year was you got to play in your first Solheim Cup. Oh, How was that experience for you?
2: That was – I don't even know how to describe that. That was exhilarating. It was the, one of the biggest stages of, in women's golf. We got there and it's Scotland. It's, it's beautiful. I did not expect to see that many people. Like, I know it's big, but I did not picture, like, Coliseum, like, stand, grandstand, big, full-on. And it is the most fun event that I played in this year. Like I I played in Dow with Annie Park and we had so much fun there. But like Solheim just takes it to a next level where like it's a team event, like a team of 12 girls or 12 women, I should say, <laughs> against the European 12 women. And it's incredible because the vibes you get off the people and just the atmosphere, it's so lively. You can't even describe it. It's electrifying. You get on the tee box and... Everyone knows your name. Everyone's like, Megan King, like, oh, my God. (laughs) And I joke around and I go, how am I supposed to go back to, like, a regular event after this where they're like, oh, are you Danielle? And I'm like, no, I'm Megan. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I joke around, but, like, it's super funny because there's only 24 women, like, players. Mm -hmm. It's incredible how many people come out to watch 24 women play. I can only imagine, like, the men as well, though. Like, it's overwhelming. It's it, so much fun.
0: Yeah. And I have to imagine, was it the most nervous you've been? You know. Or or no?
2: I was I didn't feel that nervous. Huh. I um, I love a crowd. Okay. And so, like, everyone was describing the first tee to us. And obviously, I think we had, like, five rookies on the team. Six,
0: and, I think. Six rookies. Yeah. We had,
2: oh, yeah, six. Um. Actually, I guess they were... I'm sorry, 25 of us, because Stacy came as well. Uh, and we had Allie who ended up replacing Stacy. Um, so, I mean, everyone's explaining the first T, like, everyone's just emphasizing how much nerves the first T is going to be. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait. I went to the practice round, walked through the gates, the tunnel, and I looked up and I go, wow, like, the stands are empty. I cannot wait for them to be filled. And I'm doing the practice with Annie, and Annie's like, what do you mean? And I go, dude, there's gonna be f- it's going to be filled. Like, the music's going to be going. There's going to be, like, fog everywhere. It's going to be awesome. Funny thing is, I didn't tee off on the first hole until Sunday. I played alternate shot both days. So I didn't, I didn't tee off one.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so it's finally my turn to hit off of one. And I'm just like, people are like, yeah, like your, your nerves are going to be going through you. Like your, your hands are going to be shaking and stuff like that. I was fine. I was I was like dancing on the first tee. Everyone's like, hmm. And so like, I think I'm, I'm playing against Charlie. I played Charlie three out of my three matches. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> okay. And um, I think, I forget who hit first. I I hit first, Charlie hit first. Uh, But the thing is, like I was doing my practice swing and I get... I stand behind my ball to like line myself up. I'll never forget it. This one person in the crowd goes, "Megan Kang, you take that club and you spank that ball." <laughs> I'm like, "I'm trying to like focus." I'm trying so hard to focus. I can't help it. I start cracking up. Yeah. Like it it helped so much that that person had said that. Just takes away it just me, took yeah. so much pressure off me cuz I was just like oh my goodness this person is ridiculous
1: so did you did you i,
2: I backed off again i looked <laughs> up in the stand i gave that person like a little wave and i go thank you
1: <laughs>
2: and then i had to do the routine all over again and i like straight down the fairway and it was awesome i buried the first hole um but it was so funny though because it's just like those little things that would probably get us mad during a regular tournament cracks us up mm-hmm. in that kind of environment it's so funny. Yeah.
1: Was yeah. was that Sunday the most pressure-packed round of golf you've ever played?
2: I will say, coming down the stretch in my match, um, it was crazy because Charlie, I think, won 16. We tied 17. And I know, like, there's a score, like a leaderboard on 17 green that we're, like, it's super close. And I got Julie next to me going, Megan, like it's a half a point means everything. And I'm like, I know Julie, really like I know like I, well, I'm you were 18 T square? I was one down. You're one down, okay. It's one down. Um I'm like eighteen it's kind of like it's a par five, but it's like you not know, it's, it's it's not a super tough par five, but when you gotta hit a solid through to cover to make sure you don't have like that thirty yard bunker shot, it's a tough hole. And so like I look at my caddy Kurt and I go, Kurt, we gotta go for it. And he goes, you got to commit to it, though. Like, you got it. And I'm like, I don't care. I got to hit the three wood because if I lay up and she goes for it, I might not tie her. So I go for it. She goes for it. Um, I forget who was away. I think she was away first. And she, like, chipped it and it rolled back down. Kurt's like, all right, let's try and chip it in. And I look at him and I go, I'm just trying to chip it close now. (laughs) And he goes, Megan, like, I'm like, did you not just see what she did? Like if she chips in from there, good on her, but I'm just trying to chip it close to guarantee I get birdie. But if she chips in, that's great. I don't, I don't care. Like that's a well-deserved birdie. Mm -hmm. I chip it to like two and a half feet, three feet. And like, she ends up uh, bogeying and she gives me the pot. So like I I have to match. And I think I, that was the most nervous I'd been over like a 30 yard chip. Because I knew that, like, it wasn't just for me. It was for a bigger, mm-hmm. like, a bigger, what's it called?
0: Well, a bigger purpose. The bigger team purpose. purpose. It was a bigger yeah. purpose. Yeah.
2: And so, like, I'm not just, if I don't do it, I'm not just, like, disappointed in myself. But, like, I don't want to disappoint the team as well. Mm-hmm. So...
1: I'm uncomfortable just listening to like 30 that's yard chips. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's cold. A, yeah, Solheim Cup on the line. Oh, the nightmare God. scenario. God. Yeah, and, and, and it was uphill to that green too.
2: Yeah, right? so like the green was kind of like it was like a bean oh, shape and it just kind of rolls off. Yeah. So if I had chipped it like a foot left, it like did the exact same thing as Charlie's did. Yeah. Whereas like I go, I got to keep it right. So like even if it peels off right, it's still a fine chip and like obviously like Suzanne made a great putt at the end like good on her I think if if we had to lose I'm happy it was her that made the clinching putt uh her career has been incredible and to play in the last event that Suzanne is played in it's a huge honor and she's an incredible golfer but it was heartbreaking in the end but overall she she won it
1: uh who who's been kind of your mentor men, mentors out here like, on tour since, yeah since you've gotten on tour like, who kind, of, who kind of reached out and just took you under their wing or, or you know?
2: Um, I mean, I'd say, like, Jess Corda has been, like, really helpful in a sense of, like, I, her her sister and I, Nelly, we go back to Junior Golf, Junior Slime Cup, actually. And, like, that's where our friendship kind of blossomed. And Jess has been, like, really helpful ever since I've been out here. And she's just kind of, I, I joke around, I call her Mama Jess on tour. Because when we travel, like, especially in Asia, she turns into, like, mama bear. <laughs> a rookie, uh, two years ago, I was traveling Asia by myself for the first time. And, like, they forgot to put uh, a luggage tag on Jess's golf bag. It's so, like, we have to drop off our oversized luggage at a different spot. She comes back, like, a, a little mad. And is like, you didn't put a tag on blah, blah? And, like, I'm, I'm just standing there, like, okay, I'm going to let her check in, like, whatever. And Jess looks at me, and she's like... Megan, do you have a fast pass? I go, no. She needs a fast pass. I need a fast pass. We're going. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Jess has been awesome. Jess has been kind of the mom on tour, so to say. So I tell her all the time, you're gonna be a great mom, Jess. Like, <laughs> just wait till you after. You're gonna be a great mom. She like, uh, I told her I was like, I got a sore throat, and she's like, what do you need? I got like vitamin C. I got Advil. I got. Blah, blah. And I'm just like. <laughs> no, I'm just going to drink some hot tea. <laughs> she goes, oh, perfect. Peppermint tea. Blah, blah. And I'm just like, do you carry like a pharmacy in there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, she's awesome. awesome.
0: Cool. What? Uh, we'll get you out of here in just a second, but I think we had a, a few kind of random questions. <laughs> I, I want to know, where. what's your favorite place to snowboard?
2: So I grew up snowboarding on Cannon Mountain. Okay. Up in New Hampshire. Um, I haven't actually gone that much, but... I'd have to say that's one of my favorite places to go. Have you been out west? I have not. I oh, need to go. You have to go. I'm like really trying to convince my parents to let me go. I'm like 22 and I'm still asking my parents for permission. <laughs> but like I don't want to like break something and have them be like, I told you so. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: also listed is like, like you, you like to fish.
2: I do like to fish. What do you
1: like to fish for?
2: Um, I like to fish in my backyard. Does that count as fishing?
1: Yeah, of course
2: it counts as fishing. I guess I just, um, just a little pond a back there. Just a little pond backyard fishing for some bass, largemouth bass. Um, we used to go to like up to New Hampshire and catch those like little crawfish by hand and stuff like that. And if you like fell asleep on the lake, we just kind of put it on you and pinch you. <laughs> we, were, we were silly kids.
0: Um, and Netflix, what are you watching on Netflix? Are you a big, <laughs> uh, binge TV watcher?
2: I'm a huge TV watcher. Um, I think I've watched Gossip Girl twice. I watched Friends, I think, twice. Um, I'm watching like Riverdale, All American. I just downloaded Disney Plus. Okay. Yeah, I gave into it.
0: Yeah.
1: I just downloaded Disney Plus too, but it's for my two and a half.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's for my um, little cousins. <laughs> of course, not for me. I'm, Are you a, a Patriots fan? I'm a big Patriots fan. Yeah? I'm Patriots fan, Bruins fan. Now, if you ask me anything about like uh, baseball and, and basketball, I'll be like, yeah, I'm a bandwagon fan on those. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll fully admit bandwagon fan, but football and uh, hockey, hockey I'm just recently getting into. Okay.
1: And and you're because you're from like pretty near the stadium, right? Pretty Fox Yeah, right? I'm
2: like uh like 40 minutes away from Foxborough.
1: Okay. So you're on that kind of that that side of
2: town. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's nice to be a Boston sports fan. Uh over these you last several You don't get disappointed years, years, much. Yeah, I know. He he spoiled. When uh, we were
1: living there, we uh it was the second year we were there was I'm from Atlanta. I'm a Falcons fan. Yeah, whatever. Was, you know, we were living in Back Bay and the you know, the Falcons obviously blew the blew the twenty eight to three lead. <laughs> I'd never seen a championship parade before. So I went out in my Falcons jersey out on the Oh, did you get booed? No, actually the effort was really nice. They were like, Oh dude, like good on you for coming out here and that. Yeah. And, you know? But uh but yeah, that was a, that was a pretty painful painful deal. So just know how lucky you are. <laughs> yeah. so-
2: oh, I remember like all the shirts yeah. and like the flags that was yeah.
1: yeah and then he's a Cincinnati Bengals fan
0: so he doesn't even know oh, what we're he, talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah like it's it's miserable
2: yeah. like what's a Super Bowl <laughs>
0: exactly yeah exactly uh well anything else for
1: oh no, good luck this week and yeah thank and then, you and then, and then and then you know have fun going back up to the
0: cold and uh <laughs> tell everybody you mean Boston, back I
2: home yeah. yeah yeah it's not cold it's home
0: <laughs> yeah well Megan thank you so much. Um, really really enjoyed this and yeah like tron said best of luck this week
2: thank you guys so much thanks for having me hey. 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 I told him, straight drop this